This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. Welcome to another week of the show. And hello. Happy Easter. Did you have a great Easter? Oh, happy it's, Easter. It's tomorrow. We're recording this on the day before Easter, but we hope you yeah. had a good time. What do you do with the kids? Oh, they love Easter. Okay, so if anybody is new to the show, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and they're it's really prime egg hunting ages. Last year, I feel like might have been the real prime five and two, but they love finding eggs. And actually, like, I think that we're going to be able to keep this ball rolling for a long time and just like make the eggs harder and harder to find. For sure. Because last year, Evie, when she was two, was still in the phase where like you had to, like if the egg was in the middle of the lawn, she maybe would find it. <laughs> <laughs> so great. And so we told Miles last year, he was such a good sport. Miles is such a good big brother. He was such a good sport. And we were like, all right, Miles, if you walk outside and immediately see the eggs, leave those for Evie. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. There are some that are just laying in the grass. Right. Like there might as well be like a neon sign. Just leave right, those like, for Evie. Egg here. Yeah. Like, right. Like Wiley Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> so they love, 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 love to start to look for eggs. I don't know what it is about it. And so, and like, we just fill our eggs with like three little M&Ms or like mm-hmm. two little Cadbury mini eggs, which by the way, our family's been going through like a bag of mini eggs a day. Oh, that's the best. Like, like the two weeks, the little so ones. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're so good. And then are you a like, Cadbury egg person? Not a big Cadbury. Okay. No, I don't want to fill. Either. I don't want a cream filled chocolate situation. Yeah, I think I think most people don't love a cream filled, but here's maybe not. Okay, I don't mind it. The, it's just the Cadbury egg. The ratio of cream yes. to chocolate is way too high. That's right. I don't mind it in like a chocolate box scenario where it's just a little dollop of cream. Little in the dollop, mm-hmm, or Fine. like a cream filled donut. Sure. Yes. But if I'm eating what is basically like a, a sliver in, of chocolate with like a with like a whole load. thing, yes, that's too yeah, much. The, the too ratios much. are off. Yeah. Mm. No, okay. Anyway, sorry. Didn't um, no, you're not interrupting. This is important details. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then some of the eggs will put like a couple quarters in or something. And then last year, so for Miles, the way that we give him, we don't give him like an allowance, but sometimes if he does like a big chore, like if he cleans the whole, all the toys in the whole basement or whatever, we will give him some money and we use monopoly money. So we give him, he has a bunch of monopoly money and then like he pays us his monopoly money. And then we pay for something on our credit card, right? Like, cause you don't pay for right. cash anywhere. Really. I mean, you can, but so then I mean, when we do you really like, want to trust him with some cash? Well, that's the other thing, right? <laughs> so we use monopoly money and it's worked great. So he has a wallet. My dad gave him a wallet for Christmas last year. Of and like course, a John wallet. Hay of gave him he a did, wallet. Right? Of course he did. I next know. is a money clip. And then oh. next is a sweater vest. Okay. Here's the thing I have. You have to know, obviously my dad uses a money clip because on brand, except that what he prefers, his absolute preferred thing to hold his money is, you know, at the grocery store, the fat rubber bands that hold like the asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> That specific type of rubber band (laughs) because it's like small that it doesn't have to wrap it more than once, but he likes not having to like undo the whole thing to take out the money. But he keeps it. He keeps it folded in half, right? Yes. Uh-huh. It's folded in half with the rubber. Does he like to keep a good wad of cash? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Uh 
<laughs> yeah, you got my dad's number. That's that's him. And he, over the years, between all of his kids and his wives and all the things, like we probably gifted him a dozen really nice mini clips. Because here we are thinking, you know, every time you see it, if you've forgotten that this is his preference, you're like, oh shoot, his money clip. You, it's one of those things that you like kind of squirrel away in your brain. Where you're like, yeah. oh, my dad's using rubber band. That must must that be his must money clip mean, broke. Right. I'm gonna get him a money clip, and then you get it for him, and he's like, oh, and then he just like has his his bureau, as he calls it, his, you know, dresser is just completely full of unused money clips because he wants to use a rubber band. Mm-hmm. Is your dad Insights from the East Coast? My dad. Yeah, he's from Long Island. Okay. I was going to say bureau is very East Coast. And then, and then I just yeah. thought of my grandmother who used to call a chest of drawers, chest of drawers for a dresser. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It's the best. Yeah, bureau. Oh, I love uh, it. Yeah. Okay. My dad's from like, from Long Island. He's a funny guy. So money and we miles. Put Monopoly money. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I was almost there. We put Monopoly money in the Easter egg sometimes too. Oh, that's really cute. So yeah, um, that'll probably, and then we'll go to my dad's house and we'll just like eat mac and cheese and hot dogs with the kids. And um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. And then also later today, I'm going to the flooring store and I have to tell you a story about why I'll tell you why I'm going to the flooring store, but first I'll tell you about the flooring store. So in Boulder, there is this flooring store called Atlas Flooring. Mm-hmm. It's like this giant warehouse. And if you're familiar with Boulder, it is on 28th, right when Broadway meets back up with 28th, like on your way out to Lions, mm-hmm. right by Gateway Fun Park, which is the go- like go-karts and mini golf place. And this place has been there since dirt. Oh, like, I love those places. The guy who owns it, his name is Leister. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> and he's retired now, mm-hmm. but his son who his name I don't know. It's I don't think it's Leister now Leister runs Jr. it. Uh-huh. Yeah, my dad used back to John Hay. This whole episode is just like oh John Hay, especial. Yeah, <laughs> my dad used this flooring store to when he did the cave. Have I talked about the cave recently? No. Oh no. Oh no. Okay, so <laughs> hold on tight, guys, because this episode just got kind of buckle weird. up and pull buckle over. up. Here we go with John Hay. Uh, so in the eighties, my dad saw the movie the day after the morning after, like it was like one of the, one of the very, very first sort of post nuclear apocalypse type of movies. Okay. And it really freaked him out because that's the type of he is. And at the time he had a lot of extra money and this was sort of like right after the celestial seasonings era. Mm-hmm. And so he had a lot of extra money. And so he bought a cave on like a couple hundred acres in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas, this little town called Parthenon, which the next closest town is Jasper, which is also still a tiny town. It's like in Northwest Arkansas. He dug out the cave and turned it. And and so he was going to turn it into like a bomb shelter. Oh, wow. So he was real and deep. He was worried. And so after a couple of years, it became clear like, okay, maybe the threat of nuclear war is like slightly less imminent than we thought. Was he just going to go down there and just like, oh, yeah, he has like come out and be the the only the only person. Yeah. Or he was like invite his friends. It's a big cave. And um, (laughs) I'm not laughing at him. I am amused at how it's amusing. Yeah, it's amusing. To this day, he has like a box full of hazmat suits in our garage. Okay. And he like was like trying to give him to Brandon at the beginning of COVID. Sure. Uh, and we were like, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but like, we're talking like, we're at talking this like, point, we'll take him. Yeah, honestly, we're talking like outbreak style hazmat suits. <sighs> For sure. And yeah. they've, they've been in a box in his garage since the 80s. So who <sighs> knows? They're at not just like cracked and like. <laughs> right. They're probably not. They probably would not meet OSHA standards. But yeah. he <laughs> had this cave. 
And after a couple of years, I was like, okay, maybe like a complete <laughs> nuclear fallout is less likely than we thought. So he turned it into a luxury home. Okay. We'll put the link in the notes. It's called Beckham Creek Cave and you can rent it. So we owned it. So he like did the whole thing. The reason that I bring this up is because these people in North Boulder did the flooring for the cave in when Arkansas. in Arkansas, he like brought them in to do the flooring. Who knows? Wow. Because it's just like such in the middle of nowhere that you might as well bring someone in from Boulder yeah. just as much as you could, you know, should have brought someone in from like Little Rock. Like at that totally. point, it didn't really matter. You're didn't flying matter. someone in. He, so these people like, to this day are like obviously remember this project because it was so unique and random that's so cool anyway we owned this cave for a lot okay actually if you want the whole story because it's actually pretty interesting after a couple after he like completely redid it he was on lifestyles of the rich and famous shut Uh, up yeah robin leach like real live late 80s lifestyles of the rich how have you never told me this i I was positive i have told you no Oh, I we was have obs- it on You VHS know somewhere. me in my palace entry. You're so right. <laughs> Did he meet Robin Leach? Yeah. The guy, like, he came to the cave. It's like a whole thing. They interviewed my mom when she was pregnant. It was, she was pregnant with us. Should they interviewed my mom. I I don't even. I'm Joy's so. I lost for words. <laughs> I used Speechless. to watch that show. And if I even remember that episode, I mean, that I was obsessed no, with that you, show. The, you would have been like I was. eight years old when this happened. Oh, my gosh. But still, I loved that show. Yeah. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so then after a couple of years, he decided to sell it. He was like, okay, this is like kind of a lot to keep up because it's a live cave. And if you are not familiar with like what that means, it means it's dripping all the time. So there's just like dehumidifiers in every room. But guys, like there are bedrooms in here. There's a kitchen. Like it is a fully functioning house that's also in a live cave. And then in the back, you open this door and you just go back to like another like two miles of just like cave. And like you could just go like caving when you're bored. He sells it. How have they never like shot a movie in there? I Because people don't know about it probably. <laughs> so you go to this cave. So he decides to sell it. After the person he sells it to is going to turn it into a brothel. Okay. Wait, and he, to- he told he like full on knew. Hey, John Hay. No, I'm this. sure oh, that oh, okay. I'm sure that he didn't know before. I don't know. Maybe he did. I think okay. my dad was like, I don't care. Do whatever you want. With just it. selling it. Okay. I just don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. But then the guy who bought it, like, ended up not being able to get funding or not be able, like, it, his like vision could not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. So he ended up having to put it back up for auction. Mm. So my dad went to the auction thinking like, you know what? I just want to make sure that like this is all taken care of. And then and like just kind of see how make sure that this is run correctly. And then he ended up buying it back at the auction. So then we had we owned it for the majority of my childhood. And then mm. when my parents got divorced when I was like nine or ten, they had they sold it. So like I've been there many, many times, slept in it, hung out. The area that it's in was like pretty wild and a lot of, you know, rattlesnakes and ticks and things. The things you associate with Northwest Arkansas, or at least that I associate with Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> And so, yeah, that's the story about the cave. Um, that is fascinating. And by way of the story that I'm going to this flooring place where like, I'm, but I called my dad and I was like, can you go with me? Because I need you. I need, I need to get a deal on some flooring. <laughs> so I need you to come with me. It's like when you take your dad to the, to like the mechanic. Or when you're buying a car. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. take your dad. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so like randomly now I'm like, can you guys come to the flooring store with me? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I would always do that with my dad for anything mechanical with my car because he's a mechanic. And the second they would like talk to my dad, they're like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. Right. Like, oh, we can't. Yeah. Yeah. We can't uh-huh. pull one over. Her. So, okay. So you're going to this flooring store for what are you doing again? <laughs> 
We're buying a new house. Okay. <laughs> I was like, why are we getting flooring? Yes, because we're buying a new house. Over the past couple of months, we had been going through this design, this called a feasibility study, which is like step zero of remodeling your house. And we're basically we've been working with this amazing interior designer. If you're in Denver and you're looking for like remodel, it's called TVL Designs. I was just trying to, st- I was going to say like T as in something, but then I panicked because I can never think of words for that. T Do you ever Tom? No, I'm like I... T is in, I would have been like T is in Tyrannosaurus. Like my brain serves only the most oh. random words in that scenario. I used to and work I just for a call to... center and I always had to spell things out. So I remember doing it very. I need like, to just learn yeah. the the like real. Right. The what's uh, it called? Like, yeah. Right. Like, yes. Phonetic alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, my brain serves the uh, T as in Tyrannosaurus, V yeah. as in vaudeville. Victor. Like, yeah. why would I think of the word vaudeville no. ever? But no. Vulva. Vulva. <laughs> I just in think vulva. of the Friends episode where Joey's like, he only gets the V dictionary. And so, because he wants to be smart. And so this guy stops by their apartment and sells him an encyclopedia, not a dictionary. But he could only afford one letter. <laughs> so he buys V. And so everybody's at the coffee house talking about these topics. And he's like, he's lost and he doesn't get it. He was like so prepared to like be involved in a conversation. And he's, anyway, it's just really funny. That's pretty much my brain tries to do. <laughs> anyway, TVL design. They're really great. And we were working with them. And we live in this early 1970s brick rectangle that everyone has probably been in a thousand times where you walk in. And you walk in and you're in the kitchen or you're in the living room. The kitchen is right behind the living room. And then you go down the hall and those are the bedrooms. End of house. We also happen to have a basement that you get in through the kitchen, which is just an exact floor plan replica of our upstairs. Of the upstairs, yeah. So we don't have a dining room. And that has been like our my pain point for ever since really we had Evie mm-hmm. because we all we have is this bar and only right, three and people you, Everybody sit just sits there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. And so, but like with Maxine living here, we have five people who live here and only three people can sit down for dinner. And it's just annoying. And so I, and there's nowhere, there really is nowhere to put a table because of the way that our bar is situated and just how big everything is mm-hmm. or how small everything is, I should say. And so we are going to remodel and redo our kitchen so that we could just create space for like an Eden kitchen. Mm-hmm. As we were going through this process, we went through a refi, like closed on our refi. And then our builder came or right in that, in that same time frame, the builder came over and it just became clear that like, we're not going to get what we want for the budget that we have which is so common in a remodel, right? But really our problem is that in our neighborhood, we are already one of the larger houses and most updated houses in our neighborhood because we have a basement and we have a two-car garage. And most of our most of the other houses in our neighborhood have converted their garage into like a master suite because they don't have a basement. And so we, if we were to increase our budget, we would price ourselves out of the neighborhood. You know, everyone always says like, you don't want to ever be the nicest house on the block. And we are already almost there. And if we were to remodel, we would really push ourselves out of being able to get the value back out of our house if we were ever to want to move. We started looking at houses, just sort of like, hey, well, let's move forward to the remodel. It'll be it'll be fine. In the meantime, let's just look. And if there's something that pops up, then you know, we'll go see it and just kind of play by ear and take it one one step at a time. And then of course, as soon as we started looking, we found something and we went and saw it and we put an offer on it and they accepted our offer. Which I also just want to name how freaking nuts it is that we got our first offer. It was the first house we saw, yeah. the first offer we put in. Yeah, like nuts. Like, 
No, it's like knocking on wood. This doesn't happen in this this day and age. No. You know, a lot of times you like send like the love letter and blah, blah, blah. They didn't let us do any of that. They just wanted like numbers and we still got it, which is great. And this house that we currently live in was also that way. We, it was our first offer. That's crazy. I I don't think I'm ever allowed to move again because I'm two for two. And if someone, and people listening right now are like having rage strokes because they have been like trying to put offers on houses for years and not gotten there. I mean, it is, I hear so many stories and a lot of people that I work with, we have like a little Colorado group because a lot of people, you know, we're all over the place at Headspace, but people will be like, oh, I'm moving to Colorado. Does anybody have advice about like neighborhoods? Because I'm looking here and there's just like nothing and there's here, I'm looking here and there's nothing. And it's like, I don't know what to tell you. Everywhere seems to be like that. It's just, it's so crazy. It's so crazy to think like, and it's been like this probably for over a year since the pandemic hit of you, you have to put in over the asking price. And I mean, we did go in over, but it was definitely, I just am su- surprised that like, I feel like we had a fairly competitive offer, but nine times out of 10, the people that I hear from are beat up by cash offers. Like you can't beat a cash offer. I guess the neighborhood that we're going to, so it's still in Longmont. It's just a little bit, it's like maybe a mile from where we currently live, but a little bit more central and it's a bigger house. Mm-hmm. But that neighborhood is not quite flippable yet in the sense that like we probably it would have been unusual for us to be up against a cash offer for this type of house because mm-hmm. this isn't the type of neighborhood. Now, that's the problem with Denver Yo. is that every single neighborhood, <laughs> if you are trying to buy a house that is affordable because it's older and not updated, someone else is trying to just flip that house. Yes. Yeah. And that is not the case in Longmont yet. Oh my gosh. Like you can still, like a normal human can just move into an older, non updated house and just live there. And And it's like perfectly good, but not current house. Yeah. Versus in Denver, every single house is everything for a flip. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, our, so our neighborhood, we moved here 13, 14 years ago. And everyone in this neighborhood, the, the houses are flipping, they're changing. We always talk about that. We're like, oh my gosh, we could make so much money if we sold our house. But we're like, where would we go? We love it here and we love our house. So we're like, we're just going to stay. But it's really odd to watch because our neighborhood really wasn't that 13, 14 years ago. And it's just really blown up. But yeah, Denver is really hard. We were talking about this the other day. Scott and yeah. I were like, I was like, there's just no way. If we were 30 years old when we bought this house now no way we could do it. He's like, we would find a way. I'm like, no, we absolutely. Yeah. Right. I don't know how people are. And the only reason that we ended up being able to do it was because we had just closed on a refinance because we thought we were going to remodel. And so we had this chunk of cash, Mm -hmm. you know, because like we have, we had been working with our lender for so, and so we got to use the same lender. And so we were able to like close really quickly because he already had all of our stuff and could just like, you know, we had literally closed the day before on a refi. And so the stars really aligned so that we could just move so quickly. But let me tell you that that's also kind of nerve wracking because it's like we got our inspection on Friday and we have to submit any of our inspection objections by objections by Monday. I feel like I, and I am a fast decision maker mm-hmm. and I even feel like this is a lot to process in one weekend. Yeah, for sure. I also hate inspections because it comes back with everything and you just, and I mean, you know, this is what your realtor is for, but when you're looking at it just as like a normal person, you're like, okay, how much of this is like, oh yeah, this shows up on every single inspection report. And how much of this is like, oh, I should be worried. Mm, yeah. You know, like yeah, you're looking at it, you're like, I don't know. Is it normal to have like a half inch crack in the concrete in the driveway? I feel mm. like it is. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> like, we got that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So luckily that's what you have a realtor for. Luckily but. that's what the realtors are for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're moving. We're going to, I mean, all things, all things go according to plan and our inspection ends up being less concerned, you know, not, not concerning. 
we're going to be closing the first week of May. Oh my gosh. That happened so fast. Yes. Was, is Brandon a quick decision maker? No, absolutely not. So how does he... Yeah. He just sort of like, I make this analogy sometimes when I'm really busy, but do you ever, like if you're, have you ever been skiing? Oh yeah. I grew up skiing. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, you know, if you're skiing and I'm sorry to anyone who can't relate to this, but I'm sure there's like, maybe you can help me think of a less esoteric example and you start going a little bit too fast and you know that if you can just maintain it, you can get to the bottom. But if you try to turn, you're going to fall. Yes. That is how he feels. I think this whole process where he's like just sort of white knuckling through it of like, okay, keep going, keep going, keep Uh, going. Because if you try to speed check, you're going to go over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's pretty good. So here's the other thing. And here's why I think that the process is going a little bit better. This house is the exact same house. The floor plan is 100% the same as the house that Brandon grew up in. Oh, interesting. exact same house. Like whatever this floor plan is, it must've been really popular in the early seventies. Cause again, where this is like all, most of Longmont mm-hmm. unless, except for West Longmont was built in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. And so there are some very, very, very minor differences because Brandon's family built that house. And so they picked all the like customizations, like the bay windows and that type of thing. And this house doesn't have that. And the bedrooms, excuse me, the basement was finished in a slightly different layout, mm-hmm. but it is the exact same house, which in a way is like a little weird, but it also is nice because it's like, oh, we know that this is like a really functional floor plan because we go over there all the time. And, but I think that helped him make the decision because he was like, oh, this is really familiar. Yeah. Which is kind of cute. It's like, I'm okay. I got this. Right. This is my house. That's exciting. All right. Well, before we jump into how your LASIK went, because that's exciting, let's take a quick break to talk about our favorite people in the world, Ned, our sponsors of this podcast, Ned. This month, they have the dream set. So this includes their best-selling sleep blend and mellow magnesium, two products specifically developed to optimize your body for sleep and relaxation. We love the sleep blend. I always rave about how much better I sleep when I take the sleep blend, and Claire is a huge fan as well, and the mellow magnesium, which we both love. I love it. It is instant calm. The mellow magnesium, I can honestly say that with 1000% confidence, it is instant calm. I feel, as I'm drinking it, I feel my body just like relax. It's the best. Ned's new and improved sleep blend contains CBN, a powerful cannabinoid that promotes sleep. 750 milligrams of USDA certified organic CBD. Yes, organic, organic, organic. And their mellow magnesium is a powerful daily magnesium supplement with amino acids and trace minerals that propel memory, mood, brain function, stress response, nerve and muscle health and sleep. Get your sleep on. If you'd like to conquer sleep with Ned's Dream Set, Joy and Claire listeners get 15% off with code JOY. Go to helloned.com forward slash JOY or enter code JOY at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash JOY to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. What's your favorite mellow flavor? The lavender berry? The lavender. I like the, the Meyer lemon. Although if you go, if you are into unflavored, they have a, just a neutral flavor. Naked. I will Mm -hmm. say that I think the unflavored one is a little bit grittier, but but 
But I would recommend maybe thinking about incorporating the the unflavored one into like an like a bedtime tea. That's a great idea. It's like a little sleepy time tea, maybe, if you want. I'm also a fan of how they do blend. Some things when you're kind of doing like a powder, it doesn't blend well. This blends beautifully and it is totally drinkable in water. Uh, you can get the naked like It's in, not gross. Yeah. It's not gross. Yeah. You're not like choking it down or anything like that. It's it's delicious. So thank you guys for supporting the podcast and supporting our great sponsors, Ned. Okay. I have literally talked to this entire podcast. So let's like reverse to, I want to hear, do you guys do anything for Easter? We just blew right past you in the Easter story. No, we don't. Well, not this year. Normally, we spend time with either my parents or or like we'll be going to see family or Scott's family. But this year, we haven't planned anything because of Joe, the puppy. But yeah, we're just going to go hang out with some puppy raiser friends with the puppies and let the puppies play. It's really cute because we have one of our puppy raiser friends. And I know I've mentioned this a million times, but when you're, when you're a volunteer for Canine Companions... You have hundreds of friends in Canine Companions, like Insta friends. But we've had this kind of close-knit group since I got JT that we've been kind of like a close-knit community. We call ourselves The Village. It's We don't really like refer to that often, but it's like a joke because it takes a village to raise a puppy. We are spending Easter with one of our village members got a puppy two weeks after we got Joe's. So it's kind of cute that we're raising at the same exact time, like the same, pretty much the same age. And their puppy's name is Olympic. So cute. Olympic. So we're going to be hanging out with them tomorrow for Easter and just let the puppies tire themselves out, which is like mostly what you do as a puppy raiser is you just try to plan dates with people where you can bring the dog and get them tired. If anyone in the Denver area would like to get together with their dogs. I would like to get together with my dog. Yeah. Okay. The number one question that we get right now is people asking Joy whether or not she has puppy training resources or recommendations. So what do you got for us? Yeah. Yeah. This is a question I get all the time around raising dogs or raising puppies. And I hate to be a broken record, but it's there's no magic optimal way to train your dog other than just go to an obedience class, sign up for an obedience class. In person is great. If you're if you have a puppy, it's great to socialize them around other dogs as early as possible, safely, you know, when they're all vaccinated. But if you can sign up for an obedience class, just a basic obedience class, that is all you really need to get started. And then be consistent. The other thing that I notice is you go to obedience class, but you're not consistent with upkeep and training. So that's really all you need to do. Dogs need consistency. They need to know what their expectations are at home. For example, we crate train from day one. And if you start letting the dog sleep in your bed, they're going to prefer that immediately. (laughs) Your dog wants to be with you all the time. So if you put your dog in your bed on night one because it's crying, guess what? It just learned that behavior. So anyway, go to obedience class. Uh, I really like Chelsea on Instagram at Rocket Rockham Dog Training. It's R-O-C-K-E-M Dog Training. She's wonderful. She is a previous Canine Companions trainer, like an actual on-staff trainer who would do the professional training for the advanced, what Cadet is doing right now. And she has some really good resources. And if you ever want to do like a one-on-one, she does do virtual training sessions if you want to do that. But I I always say just keep it simple. There's really no like one way to train your dog other than just be consistent and go to obedience class and learn the basics. 
So that is all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> the other thing when we had, when we had just gotten river that I really learned from you was like about keeping the training sessions really short, Totally, and that even just two minutes, especially for a puppy mm-hmm. is not only worth it, but kind of optimal. Like it's optimal. Yeah. Don't think that you have to be doing this for like 30 minutes at a time. And in fact, that's going to probably just frustrate your dog. So like you don't have to dedicate, you do have to dedicate a lot of time, but not all at once. So no. If you, you know, take are waiting for your coffee maker to go, use that time to do yes. just one or two little things. Yeah. Or if you are, you know, waiting for your curling iron to heat up, like use that time. Mm-hmm. That those little moments really add up throughout the day. I think that is intimidating to a lot of people to think like, oh, I just don't have time to do this whole training session. It doesn't have to be a whole training session. It can just literally be one or two minutes at a time. And every one little command that they nail, it can just be one time to get them to sit while you are turning around waiting for your, for yeah. like, what, what, the it's amazing how fast they learn too. If you think about it, it is the unintentional training that happens with dogs is unbelievable. So right now, I use the lick mat, which I am a huge fan of. They're just like little textured mats that uh, if you put like pumpkin or baby food, or I put some cream cheese in there every once in a while, you just have to be careful with their stomachs when they're little. So you kind of have to play around with little bits so their stomach doesn't get upset. But the lick mat, he has now associated the sound of a knife being pulled out of the drawer to getting the lick mat. So that is just kind of like that classic conditioning So I did, and I did not even intend to do that. So if you think about training a dog, all you need to do is have some treats handy. And if you want a behavior, if you want something to stick, you just have to reward it and it's done. So yes, short training sessions. And I think what people are probably more more curious about is like, how do you train a service dog? And yes, there are specific things that I have to follow for canine companions, but that isn't if that doesn't apply to a pet dog. So the basics are really all you need to know. And honestly, right now you are doing the type of stuff that you would do with a pet dog too, like these very just like manners, totally and socialization, socialization, right? Sitting you outside don't get into those bigger, those more specific behaviors until for another couple of weeks or even months. Yeah. Or even months. Yeah. Right now it's just kind of like getting them comfortable in the home, getting them used to crate training, getting them used to grooming and being touched, getting them used to being outside and noises. So I even just right now watch his behavior. We take very short walks with him because he just is still a baby and he gets overwhelmed. And so you can see him when we take him on leash outside. If we get too far from the home, he starts looking around and it's really cute. It's almost like you can see his little mind being like, the world is too big. I'm too far from home. Ciao. The world is too big. And he's looking around and it's almost like you could just see his little wheels turning. It's really cute. So then we go back home and he races home. It's really cute. Like it's almost like pulling teeth to get him to walk away from the house, but going back to the house, he bolts. So that to me says he's not ready yet for like going on long walks. And you really have to pay attention to the dog. If I start pulling him, I cannot stand when people like pull their dogs on a leash because it's like, you shouldn't have to pull your dog. You should have it be something that they're like, that's just them telling you they're not comfortable with something. So anyway, he like races back to the house. So I'm just really paying attention to his behaviors and like his comfort level. And sometimes we'll even just sit outside on the lawn. Like I'll just put a blanket down. I tether him because we don't have a fenced front yard. He just sits outside and listens. You want to get him like listening to traffic, listening to cars going by. So like these are very, very basic things to socialize your dog. 
And I think that people kind of just overestimate the things that they have to do or kind of the, I don't know, like there's some secret to it. It's really not. So I'm sure there is kind of like intrigue of what goes into training a service dog. There's, I could talk for, I could start a whole new podcast about that. And it's just not necessary because it's a specific dog that needs, he was bred and born to be a service dog. So pet dogs are going to have different requirements, not going to be as strict. So I would just say, keep it simple and keep it consistent. The one other thing that I learned a lot from you when we had first gotten River was we previously had adopted an older dog who came with a lot of behavior, a huge behavior issues. And she was two years old when we adopted her. And so with her, we had really been taught, like you have to be consistent 1000% of the time because you were trying to untrain something out of her. And that set me up to feel a ton of pressure with the puppy that if I, that I had to be 1000% consistent. Mm. And the thing that you helped me learn and that, you know, I kind of learned through learning more about puppy training specifically was that like, yeah, it's important to be consistent and it's important to have that routine. But if you are distracted one time or you, you know, give like give an inconsistent cue a couple of times, their brains are still so. Yeah. Puppies aren't. Yeah. That you're not going to mess it up. You're not going to mess it up because you're learning too. And that's okay. And you just have to strive for that consistency. And if you are someone who like, I feel like we, that really helps me relax too, because we had previously been in a situation where we were trying to teach a dog how to, you know, get away from these very well-established problematic behaviors. And that was a completely different process versus with a puppy. Like you do have a little bit of wiggle room to work with. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be as consistent as you can be. Yeah. And if you have a puppy and they're new to puppy raising, just having a puppy, know that your dog changes every single week. You're going to have a new dog every single week. I already noticed the difference in Joe and he'll be three months in on Sunday on Easter. And it's really, really important to know that because people will get frustrated and they're like, oh my gosh, this is so much work. And I'm like, every single week will be better, I promise. There's a trick that Canine Companion uses called two minutes to win it. And that is a type of training where, like you said earlier, the shorter, the better. And the reason why you want to do short bursts of training is they just respond better to short training sessions. And also you're not tired and the dog is not tired. The second the dog starts getting frustrated or distracted, it's like, oh, we're not, we're not in the zone. Like the other day I was taking Joe out to do a little mini walk and he wasn't having it. He was pulling on his leash. Like he just didn't want to walk. And I wasn't going to, and I was trying to lure him with treats. I wasn't going to make him do it. I was like, he's not in a place to, whether he's tired, whether he's hungry, whether he's just overwhelmed, I'm not going to force this training session. So you kind of have to like, even just read the dog's energy or my energy. If I start to get frustrated, I'm like, this is not going to end well. So then you just have to like call it a day. But yeah, that's it's two minutes to win it is kind of the way that we think about it in canine companions, no matter what you're trying to train, do it for a quick two minutes, let it go do it one morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening, and then you're good. Yay, puppies. I just can't. I'm, I just need to see Joe so bad. He's Um, so cute. He's such a good dog. I'm coming to your house this week, whether you want me to or not. Yeah, he's, he's, um, it's interesting because he, uh, we think a lot about cadet, which by the way, we should hear very soon when she's going to graduate, which fingers crossed, fingers crossed she graduates, but we compare cause you can't not compare to your first puppy raising experience. And he's just, he's so different. He's like easy to settle. Cadet was like really high energy 
he just, he's so funny. Like cadet used to just bolt out of the crate when we'd open it. He, we laughed so hard. This was like three in the morning this morning when we had to take him out to pee. I hear Scott open the crate and he, and Joe just like falls and turns over on his back. Joe's too big for us to really pick up now because he's starting, he's just like heavy. It's kind of like doing a, a sandbag lift or whatever. You're just like, and so Scott was like really trying to get him to come out. And Scott's like, I had to sit there and rub his belly for like seven minutes before he'd get out of his crate. <laughs> Joe's just not a, a morning person. No, and he's so, oh, he's Jeff. just a cute like little lump of sack of potatoes. Him and JT, like they, I feel like three weeks was like a good the first three weeks were rough and like now they've hit their stride. Like him and JT are playing like every time they, after breakfast and after dinner is like the prime play time and they play for like an hour and JT's finally like getting used. It's just really cute. He's such, he's such a sweet he's dog. Just he's just like such a roly poly. He is. He's roly poly. He wants to be a lap dog. Like he always yeah. wants to crawl in my lap. Oh, I'm like, oh, you're just amazing. so, he's so cute. Oh my Aww, gosh. Joe. Joe. Oh my goodness. Okay, um, so tell us about LASIK. Okay, yes, I got LASIK. <laughs> I got LASIK. Um, so today, again, is Saturday. I got LASIK on Thursday, kind of midday. So I have been wearing glasses and contacts since I was nine. So for 25 years, I had just sort of like run-of-the-mill nearsightedness with like a tiny bit of astigmatism. If you are a contact lens wearer and are curious, my prescription was like a minus five in both eyes. So not like really, really in, in like minus four is kind of normally the threshold for being considered very nearsighted. So minus five, um, I'm very, very nearsighted plus. So like if I didn't have my contacts or glasses in, I, I couldn't function. It wasn't one of the type of things where I was like, oh shoot, I forgot my glasses. Like I, I physically could not forget my glasses because I couldn't see. Got it. Yeah. I'd been thinking about LASIK for a long time, but you're not supposed to get LASIK until a couple of years after your, your last pregnancy, because your eyes can change during pregnancy and you're not supposed to get LASIK like before you get pregnant, if you're planning on getting pregnant for the same reason. And it's not the end of the world, but it's one of those things where like, if you want to really have the best chance at having consistent results, that's what they recommend. I finally got it. It was fantastic. It was very weird. So I showed up, you know, they checked my eyes, whatever. And then they gave me a Valium and put me in front of a TV that was playing dog videos, which I don't know who came up with that idea, but it was sheer just brilliance. That is, that is brilliance. Like waiting for me to just waiting for the Valium to kick in while I just watched this like Corgi wearing a mermaid tail. Oh, <laughs> that is so cool. So genius. Like, they should do that at the dentist. Versus. Yeah, yes, they should do it everywhere. I don't know why everywhere. we are watching more dog videos in waiting rooms. Yeah, forget everybody the out there. Yeah, forget that nobody needs, and no one wants to read magazines. You're just no. flipping. Th- Put yeah, on dog videos. Put on some dog videos. Like these nurses are geniuses. Oh. and so, <laughs> so if you are someone who is in charge of a waiting room ambiance, might I suggest putting on dog videos Im- immediately? Immediately. So, um, they brought me back, you know, they measured my eyes. They put, so I'm like full on on Valium at this point, they put some numbing eye drops in my eyes. Then they got started and it was a very weird experience. I'm not going to detail it too much here. Cause I know that sometimes that really freaks people out to hear about like eye things, but suffice to say that there were, they did one eye at a time. I got both eyes done. You don't have to get both eyes done at once, but they kind of recommend that you do, unless there's some issue with one of your eyes that they're kind of trying to work around they cover up one eye with like a eye patch while they work on your, you know, they work on the other eye so that you're not kind of seeing what's going on out of your other eye. 
And that actually really was a good, you know, kind of helpful. And there's one part at the beginning that's a little bit uncomfortable, but doesn't hurt. And then the rest of it, you're not feeling anything at all. And you're just sort of seeing like weird lights because there's a, because there's a light, right? You know, there's like a spotlight right above your eye. Right. And the procedure is a laser procedure. And so you're seeing this, like these sort of warbly lights. Like it looks like you're looking at a strobe light from under the water, which is pretty much effectively what you are doing because your eyeball is basically like a grape, you know, in the sense that it's like full of water. (laughs) I don't know why that just sounds funny. (laughs) Your eyeball is like a grape. It basically is like, that is pretty much like what you're working on. Bodies are so weird. This is going to freak me out. But the whole thing from start to finish from like the actual procedure couldn't have taken more than 10 minutes. And that is wild to me. I know. So each eye only takes a cup, you know, the procedure itself maybe takes two minutes, two to three minutes. And then they watch and then you just lay there for another two minutes while they just sort of make sure that like nothing weird is going to happen. And then they switch and do the next eye. It takes two or three minutes. And then they watch it for another two minutes to make sure nothing weird is going to happen. And then you're done and you get to go home. Oh my gosh. I just have to quote for everybody who's a Sex and the City fan when Miranda gets LASIK and she's telling sleep telling when she's telling Steve flip my eye (laughs) and then he gets grossed out just so you guys know that is a shout out to sex in the city when Miranda gets LASIK and she always (laughs) goes flip my eye they just like flip it open yeah they do flip it open Mm -hmm. um so then you have these goggles and I have to sleep in these goggles for every night for a week which is that that's the most annoying part of the whole thing yeah so my eyes have been so immediately my vision was better Within crazy during the procedure, like when they flipped my eye back, yeah, I could see the lights. You know, they were they were like clear to me. Yeah, and I was just like, oh my gosh! And so the rest of the day, I got to go home and take a Valium nap, which like ten out of ten. Oh, ten out of ten. Really, like eleven out of ten. Like I would do the whole thing again just for that Valium nap. It (laughs) was so good. (laughs) Valium nap. I'm gonna just go ahead and Valium nap. I just need a quick. I'm gonna call the episode a Valium nap. (laughs) Please do. Then, yeah, so it's been like two and a half or two, not quite two full days at this point. And my eyes feel a little dry, which is very, very normal. They just sort of feel like I've been, you know, out in the wind, which it's also very windy. So, you know, could be that. But my vision was immediately clear. The rest of the night, I kind of, my eyes didn't really want to open. They just felt a little harassed, which they were. Then yesterday morning, I woke up and I could see. That's so, it's, it, um, I will not get over how fast it, it all goes. I won't get over that. The hardest part about it is there. I have to do these eye drops and the eye drops sting a little bit. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. And then the mm-hmm. hardest part about it is that because my eyes are just a little bit dry, I just really want to rub them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you and I cannot Ooh. touch them. Uh-huh. So that's tough. But you just use eye drops. And so you said you do have to sleep with those glasses. Yeah, I got to sleep with the goggles because it's to keep you from rubbing your eyes while you're asleep. Asleep. And if you rub your eyes, what happens? It, well. Will the eyeball flip open? <laughs> It could. So, um, yeah, it could. <laughs> is it still healing? Is that why? Yes. Yeah. The the laser cut is healing. The laser cut is healing. Right. Without okay. going into like gross, yeah, we don't want to freak people details. out. Yeah. Um, okay. Basically, there's like a part of the eye that is still healing. Yeah. That just harassed. heals on you its own. Wanna, yeah. Right. It heals on its own very quickly, but you can't rub it around because it could mess with the healing. 
if you have more specific questions and I would be happy to answer them, this is something that I've been wanting to do for years and years and years. And I'm so, so glad I finally did it. It is expensive. I paid about 4,200 total. So in case anyone out there is wondering how much lace it costs. Does insurance have, not pay for it? So some insurances will pay for part of it. Mm. My specific vision insurance did not, but you can use HSA on it, which I did. Mm. There are less expensive places than where I went. If you are in Colorado and you're curious, I went to the eye care center of Northern Colorado and I saw Dr. Amy Werner. And the reason that I saw her is because Brandon, as you all know, he's a surgical nurse at his previous position where he was working at a hospital, they would sometimes have eye cases. This is the surgeon, the eye surgeon who would work at the hospital. And so he had worked with her and really liked her and felt like she did really good work. And so, like I said, this was maybe not the the cheapest place to go, but because I had a personal recommendation on the surgeon, (laughs) I decided that that was very much worth it. Um, not to say that other places aren't also high quality. You know, there are places, of course, like you, you hear those radio ads where it's yeah. just like a LASIK center and all they do all day is LASIK. That's all that, yeah. It was so funny. I mean, those radio ads are so prevalent that actually Miles <laughs> goes the other day, or like the next day, he goes, Are you feeling better? And I was like, Yeah, I'm feeling better. And he was like, Yeah, because on the radio, it says that people who get LASIK can resume their normal activities the next day. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you're just such like a little parrot. They can resume their normal activities that the next so day. Funny. <laughs> You're hired, Miles. You're going to be hired. our new ad right? reading copy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So That's funny. So funny. You so can resume. Was, your, what yeah. did you say when, what did you do when you said that? Did you just, just immediately start laughing? Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's been saying the funniest things. He's in the phase like that where he like he's getting better at using like he hears us say something. My mom drove him to school yesterday because I wasn't you know I you, you aren't really supposed to drive for like the first twenty four hours just because your mm-hmm. eyes are pretty light sensitive and sure. So my mom drove him to school. They were driving down like kind of the main street and Miles goes, "I think I've been here before." And I was like, "Yeah, you have." And he goes, "Yeah, I have. Trust me, I've been here before." <laughs> and. Then just I a reflection to, of everything you say oh, yeah. and you don't realize you say it. You're like, oh, I say that. Yeah. And then he goes the other day too, I was trying to get him to do something. And he's like, mom, I don't think that would benefit me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so, so funny. funny. I don't think my I don't father... think that would benefit me. I don't think, yeah, the inventor of Toaster's Trudel. Oh Lord. Those are all my updates. This is like a whole, this episode was a clear update episode. You have a lot of updates. That's great. You have a lot of updates. I do want to put a plug in for the kettlebells and cocktails podcast because we were on an episode. I think it's coming out within the next couple of weeks uh, where Nikki Brazier interviewed us. And I really liked that episode. It was so funny. Like sometimes when we do interviews, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize I felt like that. Like there's things that come out of my mouth where I'm like, no one's ever asked us this question. Or I really never thought I would have said that, but I think it's and a honestly, good episode. We love, I think people assume that we don't want to be on other people's podcasts because we podcast so much, but we love getting interviewed because mm-hmm. it does give us a chance to talk about some things yes. that we don't necessarily think about. So if you, and, and also we really appreciate how hard it can be to get guests on a smaller podcast. So if you are someone who is listening and you have a podcast, please. And, and, and I mean, I'm assuming you want us to come on your podcast. <laughs> and, and if you would like to have, you us will as have us. On your, you will have us. If you would like to have us as guests in your podcast, even if you only have like two episodes and only 10 people listen, like we were there yeah. not that long ago. And it feels like sometimes we're still there. Yeah. So please, please, please never feel like you can't reach out, like reach out. It might take us a while to get something scheduled because our lives are a little bit nuts. But we love to be on other people's podcasts. It's and so we fun. particularly love to be on smaller podcasts. 
And we really love to, you know, talk to us about anything you want. We love to answer questions because we don't get interviewed all that often. Yeah. And it's different for us to podcast because we're, we're thinking about content for our listeners. But when someone interviews us, we just get to talk and we don't have to think about what we're saying very much. Like, we do. You know what I'm saying? It's just easier to have a conversation. Probably listening and are like, wait a minute, this podcast is you thinking about what you're trying to say. <laughs> but it's more of, it really is more intentional. Like you want, you, you're thinking about like the quality of your podcast and like what content you want to put out that week versus someone just interviewing you. All you have to do is answer a question and you can kind of like sit back and relax. And it's nice to have someone else kind of like run the show. So that's why we love being interviewed. So we're happy to do it. Love doing it. Yeah. So, and it was so fun to talk with Nikki, who yeah. you know, is just so one of our faves. Um, so we'll let you guys know when that episode comes out. But if you haven't listened to that podcast, um, it's also with John Woolley, who does, he's like the CrossFit meme guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're so great. And both of them are so wonderful and so kind and definitely, um, I know they, they cover a range of, they are still very much in the CrossFit space. So if you have been like Jones in for a new CrossFit podcast, yeah, check them out. Check them out. Check them out. And if you also haven't listened to our episodes, the last couple ones with the real food dietitians, I just made the Greek chicken meatballs from their recipe Ooh. from their cookbook. Really get that cookbook. My friend Heather. Hi, Heather. Hi, Heather. Texted me. And she's from Minnesota also. And she was like, I am now going to refer to that cookbook as the healthy Minnesotan. Which I think it can the healthy Minnesotan. Healthy Minnesotan. Oh, I love that. Our episode with Kelly, like I'm kind of thinking I should just hire Kelly to teach me how to like to run. No pressure, Kelly. No pressure, Kelly. I love that episode too. And I think it seems so it just like for the first time ever, that episode made me feel like running was approachable. Yes. It it has made me think so differently around when I'm training for this 10 miler, not putting a lot of pressure on myself on most of the runs that I'm doing. It's just like, oh, I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to like go out, run at a tempo pace every day. If I'm not feeling it, I can back off. Like it just... It really, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's really great. Just, I know it probably turned a lot of people off when they saw the title. They're like, running? Where are you guys going with this? But yeah, I, I like, as you guys know, I'm a lifelong non runner. It kind of made me reconsider my beliefs I have about whether or not I can, I could one day go for a run and And, not just dread it. And you even texted me that veil link. You're like, yeah, this this race looks fun. fun. We're like, are we going to do this? Are we we doing this? Is this happening? Is this happening? Everybody, Um, let's go to Vail. Let's let's do a meetup in the summer and do that Vail in the summer is my favorite. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And then JK, um, who has been um, heckling me about becoming a morning person. (laughs) Oh, a lot of people are like, Claire, we're so proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing is like, that is also a deeply held belief about myself that I'm not a morning person. And yet here I am getting up at 430 in the morning, four plus days a week to go to the Y. Yeah. And so JK, who is heckling me and he's like, you're a morning person now. Stop pretending that you're not said he's going to join. He's joining a running program. And he's like, I'm not a morning. I'm not a runner, but I'm going to join the running program. Just the way that you're not a morning person, but you keep waking up in the morning. And I was like, yep. Being in denial really helps manage your expectations. Mm -hmm. It does. It's great. Highly recommend. Hi, JK. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another week of This is Joy and Claire. You can find us on Instagram at Joy and Claire underscore. You can email us. This is Joy and Claire at gmail.com. Send us your puppy questions. Send us your LASIK questions. Send us your podcast. You know, if you want us on your podcast, you can also go to joyandclaire.com. It's under construction right now, but very, very soon it's going to be a brand new, beautiful, beautiful website 
we are working with Rachel from Reach Creative, who was recommended to us by our favorite Laura Ligos, the sassy dietitian. So if you are also in the market for a new for a website facelift, she is so great. We have really enjoyed working with her. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Ned, helloned.com forward slash joy or discount code joy. Check out the dream set and get yourself some amazing hotel and or not hotel sleep. It's going to be great. You're going to just sleep so wonderful. All of our listeners are going to be so well rested. We're so just well rested. Take on the world and we're going to find that cave and we're going to just form. We're just going to party in the cave. <laughs> You're just going to, I mean, guys, literally, like this is, this has been my secret to getting up at 4 30 in the morning is that I get really good sleep because I can fall asleep so quickly mm-hmm. with all of my Ned accessories. Thank you, Ned. Thank you, Ned. And thank you guys for listening. We're so grateful that you are sticking with us through all of our random ramblings don't change please stay cool never change stay cool (laughs) see you next summer bye bye (laughs) oh no it's see you next year have a good see you next year yeah Mm -hmm. have a good summer whatever i messed that up bye